Father God, we thank you so much for how you bless us and what you bless us with. So Lord, we ask that you please uh, give us wisdom and blessing and, and, and much more than we can imagine. And help us to see that you do that through this text today. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And the words of my mouth be your words and not mine. It's in your son's holy name. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the word. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Jesus is the Lord of Well, so the last three weeks, we've had a scenario where we, we've been obviously in Isaiah this whole time. We have the last three weeks, one was, uh, Isaiah was um, preaching, and it's talking about the plowshares and the, the spears, and you remember that? And it, it was, the Assyrians were at the door. And then the next week was the same thing. The Assyrians were at the door. And then last week, I, I preached, the Assyrians were destroyed. But Babylon came in, took over Jerusalem, and brought them back to Babylon. And I told you about how far it was. It was like walking to Minneapolis. You remember this? Everyone with me on this? Well, that's very much what this is uh, not about. Because this last text before Christmas... They're back. They're actually, they're not back. They, this, this is actually a text that was very much in the same time as the first two weeks. Where Isaiah is preaching, he's, he's telling a message to the people of God when Assyria is still knocking at the doors. And he hears this message. So can you go back real quick? A couple, couple slides. Um, we're not going to go into, because it's, it's an interesting thing about why he's asking him to, for a message. He's like, ask, ask the Lord for a sign. And Ahaz wouldn't do it. But keep going. Um, next verse. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, you and I both know what. Who is this? Jesus. Right? It's not to say that Ahaz would see this as Jesus. He would know Emmanuel means what? God with us. God with us. So look at the next verse. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. See, we know that verse 14, before this, path, this section, 
we know is talking about Jesus. But then why is he talking about this business? He shall eat curds and all this stuff. Why does that even make sense to Ahaz? Again, as I always say about prophets, you have to really get into a sense to really understand why he's saying what he's saying. You really have to get the context and what's going on. Well, here's the deal. If you have marauders and, and, and soldiers and war, uh, warriors sitting at your front gate trying to beat down your city, all the people in your country is at risk of dying because of this country, this, these warriors, these soldiers that are knocking on the door. This, this is a blessing. This here is a blessing. Why? Here's what he's saying. This is, this is the comfort he's giving Ahab. He says, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows this, this, this child that should be born a virgin. See, that part does not make sense to Ahaz. What makes sense is, is that this child will be raised up enough to be able to eat curds and honey. That means this child that will be in this land will be able to live long enough to eat curds and honey. And not only that, for the boy will know how to refuse evil and choose good. What does that mean? That means that child will be around 13. That's everyone familiar with the bar mitzvah. Now, they didn't have bar mitzvahs back then. That wasn't what they would have called it. That is, that is a later conception. Whenever uh, the temple was destroyed, they kind of went through a reformulation of who their, what their faith really was. And that's what bore the bar mitzvah. But they did have something very similar to that, where they would go to the temple. And that's what this was saying. That you are choosing. You are a young man, and you are choosing God. You are coming forward and saying, this is good, and I want it for my life. And so what that means for Ahaz, the king, what does that mean? Right now, a child will be born, and he will at least be 13 in your land. He will at least be old enough to be... 13. So what is that, what is that uh, happening there? What is, what's going on? Why is that promising? I'll tell you why that's promising, why that's hopeful, why that's encouraging is God, through Isaiah, is telling Ahaz, your land isn't going to fall to these people. Your land is not going to fall to these people. By the way, that was the same guy who stood up. He stood up on the, amongst, amidst the people. He stood amidst the people and he said, take your war implements and beat them into implements of life. Now this has got to be very confusing to Ahaz, right? He says, no, no, no. What I would use to fight off these people, to fight off the Assyrians, I'm actually going to turn into a plow. And those, those implements doesn't seem like that makes sense to me. I think I should probably build more swords. But yet, Isaiah's encouraging me that there are going to be children raised up in my land. Huh. Well, that's the end of the sermon, right? If that's what we're talking about. That the Assyrians, for Ahaz, was encouraging. See, I think well, this is what happens to all of us. Ooh. This is what happens to all of us. And, and it's important to understand why it happens to all of us. You see, Ahaz was shortchanging God because he didn't understand verse 14 and 13. This God with us that shall be born a virgin. Let me tell you a story. 
As I'm sure you're aware, now this isn't a story about fly fishing. I told you I, I don't like usually doing that because not everyone really enjoys fly fishing. But I will tell you this story because it has to do not so much about fly fishing but our, about our event preceding fly fishing. So can you turn to the pictures there? This is the third meadow of, uh, of the Slough River. That's the Slough River. And I have to tell you, that river right there is about maybe 18 inches deep. And it has, that river, probably as you could stand, you could probably count maybe 50 fish. That's how clear it is, and that's how beautiful it is. And an 18-inch river is good flatfish. You don't have to worry about wading in there in the water here. But that's not what I'm going to be talking about, by the way. This, but this is why you go up into the, the, the Slough River. You go up into the Slough River, uh, I'll show you that, that, one second there. You go up into the Slough River because it's untouched. It takes, it's about a four-hour hike. Well, no, it's, that's bit, about three hours, we'll say. About a three-hour hike to get to that point right there. So no one fishes it. And the fish are dumb. And so you want to go there. I mean, a fish that is caught, a fish that is caught all the time, because you don't, you don't, you, you don't keep this fish. It's, a, it's a, an endangered species. You toss it back. This, the, the fish that don't see a human being, they're like, oh, there's some food, and they just, oh, and you just catch a bunch of fish, and it's exciting. So that's why you would hike three hours into this region. Next, next slide, please. You see that mule deer behind us? You are in the midst of untouched land. Now, that, that is a guy. He went down to the second uh, meadow, but me and my buddy Kevin, we went up to the, to the third meadow. See, his name's Augie. He's a pastor. Presbyterian pastor, friend of ours. Next slide. And there's all of us. See, me and the guy who was taking the picture was the one who hiked the next hour to go into the third meadow. It's, I'm, I'm just kind of setting the tone of how kind of pristine this is. And there, there's us going from the hike down, the river's down at the very base of that mountain right there. When we were walking right there, right around there. We started seeing signs posted. The only sign of human civilization outside of the fact that you see a path where people walk it was the fact that there was signs posted on trees. Warning, bear. No. We kept going, me and Kevin. He had bear, he had a can of bear mace. And that has a tendency to make you feel like you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. It makes you feel like you can do whatever you want, right? Keep going. There's Kevin. He's got a, that, that's his fly rod. I know it looks kind of weird. But see, you'll notice something different about this picture. Next picture. It's starting to get dark. It is starting to get dark. Now, that is after we fly fish all day and had a wonderful day of fishing. And much like Jerusalem, at this time, we started to realize that we didn't a lot enough time to get out. Because you see, these guys that we fished up the river, and the guy, all the other guys that went with us fished down the river. And whenever your mind is being distracted, you don't really think about your survival. Um, it started to get very cold, and the sun started to go down. And we started taking pictures. This is the last picture right here. One more. Or maybe it's not on there. That's it. There was a picture of me. <laughs> Proof that I was still alive whenever we, we started out. That picture of Kevin is the same, uh, my buddy Kevin. You know, some of you folks probably have met him. He's been around here for a while. He was in my ordination service. He, uh, it was he and I 
We had about a four-hour hike back. It was around 6.30, 7 o'clock when we started hiking back. And we had about an hour's worth of daylight left. And that was the last picture of daylight that you could really kind of make out. And we were walking out. You see, why I'm telling you this story is we were in trouble. That is no place to be. That is an untouched wilderness. That we saw wolves earlier that day. There was a couple pictures. There was bison everywhere. And there was signs of bears, like there was actual signs. Watch out, bear. And we were walking out. And all I had was one of those little pin um, mag lights, which, by the way, biggest, this will be the biggest uh, uh, endorsement I will ever give anybody in terms of, uh, you know, you want to hear a commercial <laughs> for some sort of item that you should buy is one of those little tiny mag lights because that thing was amazing. It held up, it was strong, it was enough light, and they're cheap. Get one. It'll save your life. Because when we were walking out, that's all we had was that and a can of bear mace that had some sort of reservation of life-giving elements to it. So we're walking out, and as we're walking out, um, the sun went down. We had about two more hours left. And we were, at, we were at the base of this mountain, and all we heard was this, this sound of rustling in the weeds. I freaked out. Because the only thing that's the only sound you hear is your feet walking. I heard it, but I hit Kevin, because he had the bear maze, you know. And he turned this way and we looked and I flashed this little tiny flashlight out over this the, the woods there. And he didn't see it. And all of a sudden I felt something brush up against my leg. And it was a coyote. It was a coyote walking with us as we were walking out. And, we were, and so I stopped, and the coyote looked up at us and just kept walking about 15, 20 feet ahead of us. And it stopped, looked back at us, and it hopped into the, into the woods. Freaked me out. Freaked Kevin out. Now, one thing you need to know about Kevin, Kevin is an uh, uh, Eagle Scout. And so he knows, he knows how to read things about stuff, and so I'm, I'm 100% dependent upon him. And I told him, I said, wow, we're going to be okay. That was encouraging to me. We saw a coyote, and it didn't kill us. It didn't attack us. <laughs> it didn't do anything to us. We're going to be fine, is what I was thinking. You see, we saw that coyote everywhere we went on the way out. We would walk and we would hear like a rock fall, like a little tiny pebble. We would look up. Sure enough, there was a coyote who was sitting on the rock over top of us. Walk along a little bit further and see a coyote or the coyote bouncing through the, the grass next to us. By the way, I don't know if you know, coyotes are very sly. Uh, coyotes um, do not make themselves known. I found this encouraging. Hopeful. Would you? Would you find this encouraging? Hopeful? Right? I took this as a sign from God that we were safe. And I told Kevin that. And he's like, oh, good. I'm glad. And then the Eagle Scout, after we got back to the car, we made it back safe. Didn't see a single bear. We were safe. But the Eagle Scout, as soon as we got in the car, 
sat down, got in the car, and this is what he said. Well, Dan, I'm glad that that coyote gave you a sense of comfort. But what, what he was doing was waiting for us to be attacked by the bear. And he was going to take some of us, or part of us, as, while the bear was fighting us. He was basically waiting for us to either trip and fall and get hurt, and he was going to take advantage of the situation. I felt like fool. But in the meantime, that was not the case. In the meantime, what it was for me was a sense to keep going on, a sense of encouragement. That coyote was in the, in the midst of it, an encouragement for me to keep going on, not that I was going to just give up and quit, but that, that just kind of helped me carry on. Turned out, he was a jerk. That coyote was a jerk, and I didn't realize it. Until after the fact. This is like a Haas. He saw the fact that this child was going to be raised up. He saw that this, this kid was going to be able to eat food that a young kid was going to be able to. That meant we're going to keep going on. We're going to keep living. He saw that as encouragement. And that's much like the coyote. That is much like the coyote for Ahaz. Because the true encouragement for Ahaz was not the fact that this kid, that they were going to be able to survive in, this country, in, in that land for just another 13 years. Right? That's not what made things good. That wasn't, shouldn't, and can't be what we hope for, that a kid could raise up, be raised up for another 13 years. No, no. What was encouraging about what Isaiah was saying was completely ignored, was completely not encouraging to Ahaz. What was encouraging is, is that we can go on just a little bit longer. We can maintain just a little bit farther for another 13, 14, 15, 20 years maybe. And in fact, the encouraging part goes, go back to the text. Um, go, go back one more. Sorry, 14. Apologize. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. That is the encouraging part. You see, whenever people find tragedy, in their life. As a pastor, I'm encouraged to, uh, to, to see multiple things. That when people encounter tragedy, not only are they mourning the tragedy that they're dealing with, but they're mourning the loss of a lifestyle. They're mourning the loss of the way it was. That's the problem with this. Putting on for another 15, 20 years for Ahaz lets him hold on to his lifestyle just for a little bit longer. And it's ignoring the encouragement that exists through that. That God is with us. That God is with you. God is with this church. And God was with Ahaz. That should be more encouraging than any of it. 
I can't tell you that Kevin or myself had any encouragement in, this, in, 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 in any of that situation whatsoever. The only thing we had to fight off a bear was a little measly can of mace and a mag light that was no longer than this pen, by the way. I can't say that there was encouragement there. But what I can say about this Christmas season, what I can say about where we're at right now in this church is not what has gone before us, but that God is with us where we go from this point forward. That is a promise that carries us on. I have to tell you that with absolute certainty. What we do from here is whether we're going to listen to verse 14 or verse 15 and 16. What is going to be your hope? What is going to be your encouragement? What is going to be what you're going to hold on to? God with us? Well, guess what? We're going to be, we're going to be like this for another couple years. Hey, that's great. God is with us. I choose 14. I choose verse 14. Let us pray. God, have mercy upon us. Let us love you and give our hearts and